follow up the teachings with a Saturday workshop this coming Saturday from 10 till noon. It's based on First Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 6. And you know, turn there and read through that. Peter writes, Coming to Him, and Him being Jesus, as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. And so the truth of this Scripture and the promise of this Scripture is that if we are in a covenant relationship with God through Jesus Christ, if we believe uh, in Jesus, then we can have a confidence that we will not be put to shame. Shame is not part of the package. And uh, shame is a significant issue in individuals dysfunction emotional struggles as well as relational problems and almost every counseling session or situation I've been involved in the root one of the main roots is shame and how shame and fear and control work together to dominate a person's life now often people aren't aware of that they're aware of uh, surface issues or presenting problems, that's what they call them. Uh, and so there may be a presenting problem, a conflict, but when you get to the root of the conflict, why one or both of the individuals are upset about something, the root is often an issue of shame or fear or control that's underlying it. Jesus said a similar thing in John 15, verse 18 through 20. He said, he told his disciples, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And so there's, there's several promises in here, and, and, and a couple of them are is that we'll be hated <laughs> and persecuted. Alright? That's just part of the package of being chosen and selected because we're removed out of the world system. And unfortunately, when we come into a church context or into a community of faith, uh, we think that, well, that shouldn't happen within the church. But because we are all uh, originating and bringing issues that developed out in the world or in our childhood, we're bringing rejection issues, shame issues into the church life with us. We don't come perfected. It's in the church that many of these issues surface. And even if uh, we don't have a particular uh, conflict within the church, issues are Experiences that happen outside of church, just the daily life and the grind can cause rejection issues and shame issues that then are exposed when we come together in an intimate relationship. Talked about that quite a bit last week. So Jesus chose you, and God says that we are chosen and precious, 
And shame is not part of the promise that we are to inherit, even if it's something we experience temporarily now in our life. So regardless of the rejection we experience from others, we can have an assurance that God has accepted us and that we're precious, we're valuable. There has never been a moment, listen, please, there has never been a moment of your life or your existence where you have not been loved. It is. And it, it needs to be remembered, especially when you feel unloved. Because you can go back to the truth is that I am loved by the most important person in the universe, which is God. And in fact, there's three of them. The Father loves me, the Son loves me, and the Holy Spirit loves me. And so even when I experience rejection and hatred, hatred and persecution, let alone disagreements, annoyances, you know, little things, arguments, by others we can have this, this foundation of love and acceptance. And it's out of that foundation of love and acceptance, if we respond out of that to the annoyances of life and the rejection of others, rather than responding out of that rejection, we respond out of the the love and the value that we have in our relationship with God. It changes everything. It can change them, hopefully, but it certainly will change our heart and where we're coming from. So, we want to talk more about the shame, fear, control, stronghold. And if you can show the diagram of that cycle um, and how the three relate together, shame, fear, and control. And the definition of shame is the sense of being uniquely and hopelessly flawed, feeling different and less valuable than others. Shame is self-oriented. There's something wrong with me. It's real important to understand that dynamic. It's something is wrong with me. You're ashamed of self. Guilt, which is actually something that's valuable, feeling guilty when you've done something wrong, is God's way of wiring us so that we learn how to behave and how not to do things that are self-destructive or destructive to others. That's knowing that we have done something wrong. It tells us when we've made a mistake. Guilt is action-oriented. So guilt is action-oriented. Shame is self-oriented. Shame is, is bad. It's negative. It's demeaning. Where guilt actually, you, you don't want to live in guilt because you want to live... Uh, righteously so that you can, you can walk without guilt. But shame becomes your identity and it traps you in that. And uh, shame then leads to fear of, of that shame being exposed, which then leads you to live a life of control. So we're going to focus more in on the, the fear and the control and because we talked so much about the shame experiences last week. Uh, for some, uh, this is a dominant cycle that shapes uh, our, all of our feelings, feelings toward ourselves, feelings towards others. It has a significant influence in our relationship. I would say it has an influence in everyone's relationship because we all are sinners and sin inherently comes with shame and fear and, and fear then inherently makes you want to control the situation because you're afraid you don't want to experience shame anymore. So it's inherent in the human condition, but it's more significant to some uh, rather than others, but we all deal with it to a certain degree. 
Um, it even affects our career, all right? Because uh, of these dynamics, if it's dominant in your life, you'll make career choices or life uh, choices based out of shame. If you feel you're a loser, you're a mistake, you'll never take a risk or try something new. And so it can have a very, very significant influence on a person's life. Fear is interesting because there's good fear and there's bad fear. Uh, fear in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's really good to be afraid of falling off a cliff. Because if you fall off a cliff, you'll be hurt, right? It's, 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 it's appropriate. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus talks about fear. He says, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So we are commanded to have fear toward God. And, and then he goes on. He says, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and that one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear. Well, now he's saying don't fear. Therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. <laughs> and I, I really do think that Jesus was just kind of making a little joke there. You know, we would insert an emoticon there to, to say, isn't that cute? You know, he's like, you're, you're really worth a lot. We need to be a fear or uh, have fear toward God above our fear of others because God is far more powerful and our eternal state rests in our relationship with Him. But we can also have the confidence because we are valued by Him and we don't have to have this uh, fear that leads to hiding. Proverbs 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So there's a proper awe and reverence and genuine fear toward God. But it must be mixed with this understanding that He values us and he, he is in love with us and, and He loves us dearly. But we uh, operate in respect to Him. Ungodly fear or shame-based fear is a little different. That's a fear of being found out. Alright? And so we are hiding something. Any fear that stems from the belief that I am hopelessly flawed. Any fear reaction that stems from that shame identity, that there's something wrong with me, is shame-based fear. And it's destructive to you, it's destructive to your relationship, it's destructive to others. Fear of punishment, fear of rejection, fear of shame itself. Uh, One of the teachers that I listened to in preparation for this um, mentioned that people that that deal with shame issues Often, just when you begin to speak of shame, they get a, they begin to panic. You can feel a panic come on, especially if you're in a counseling situation, a one-on-one situation, and someone starts saying, "Well, I think there's some shame issues." You're so emotionally uh, on edge about that, you can start panicking. I've seen people start shaking uh, uh, and get incoherent just because they are so determined not to go there. That's a fear of shame itself. Fear of authority. 
If you have fear of authority, it's often based in shame. Maybe you had bad experiences because authority figures in the past shamed you, did not treat you fairly. And they have authority and they have power, authority figures have power to expose issues or shame-based issues. And so you're afraid of that and then you respond throughout your life out of a fear of authority. Fear of intimacy. Another major issue. A fear of intimacy because intimacy requires exposure. You cannot have an intimate relationship if you're not willing to let other people know who you really are. And we all have this little uh, level, a little governor within us, like this person can go this far and this person can go this far. But there's a point at which you don't let anybody go. And there's a point where you don't let God go. God is already there. (laughs) But you don't admit His awareness. And when you come to the place where you open yourself up, especially to God, that there's nothing hidden, there's nothing reserved. And then as you open yourself up more to other people, Not fearing the shame, but actually admitting it, owning up to it, and realizing how most people respond is actually with sympathy and love and understanding. And that relieves the shame and relieves the fear. But there's such a, a powerful avoidance technique when we talk about shame issues. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 says it this way, concerning fear. Inasmuch then as the children, uh, speaking really of all, all, all humans, have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. In other words, God took on flesh and blood, speaking of when Jesus came as a human, he took on humanity, that through death, Jesus, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. So one of Jesus' primary objectives when He came was to free us from this cycle of fear and bondage or fear and control. And in this passage, we see who's behind it all, and that's the devil. Alright? The devil is intimately involved in this cycle of shame, fear, control. He works it to keep uh, people under the influence of fear. Um, Let's move on. The next issue is control. And how this relates is that people try to control everything so that they won't find out what they're... uh, so that others won't find out what what you're really like so that I will not be hurt nor suffer pain. So someone who's suffering or who's experiencing uh, shame, fear, control issues, that's what they say to themselves. I'll try to control everything so that others won't find out who I really am and therefore I won't get hurt, I won't suffer pain. Now most often people don't consciously or in awareness think it through this way. But that's how they behave. They behave in ways that control themselves and control others so that people don't get in. Well, they only get in a little bit. Like, you know what's okay, and that can be shared, but there's areas that you hide. Adam and Eve in the garden did this and, and, and demonstrated it in the original sin. They hid themselves, and then they tried to control it by blaming. 
and shifting the attention of God when God stepped into the garden and, and began to question them. Adam said she did it. And, and Eve said it was a serpent. And so they, they tried to cover themselves up. They hid from God. It was out of fear. And then they tried to deflect. So that's control. It's a major issue in, in counseling sessions. Control. And it's almost never acknowledged by the person receiving ministry. I don't know of a single person that I can remember that when I said you're trying to control the situation in an ungodly way that they said, yes, I know. (laughs) They vehemently disagree. And they say, you don't understand. It's not me. It's not my problem. I'm talking about what this person did or that person did or that person did. But the very words that they use reveal to a third party and someone standing outside that they're trying to control the situation. And it's really based on shame and fear. And they're seeing, they're interpreting what other people are doing out of this shame, fear, control mindset. And it's, it is a very difficult thing to get free from, and, and actually talking through this is, is part of the process. You don't see it in yourself. It's not something that you're doing. It's what other people are doing. That's how you, uh, when you're experiencing a relational difficulty or uh, experiencing uh, something that's missing in your life, you see it as not something that you're doing, but it's how other people are treating you. Or this always happens in my life. Other people always do this. Or other people, you know, I was like, I went out, this happened when I was this age, and this happened in that relationship, and, and, and people are always treating me this way. And I, I continually have this in a church setting. People will come and say, well, people in this church are this way, and this way, and this way. And I'll, and I'll go, well, you know, yeah, well, all people are kind of that way, but the reason you're having difficulty with it is because you have these issues. And they always get really mad when I say that. Because <laughs> they think I'm shifting blame. They, they, people think that I'm saying it's not our fault, it's your fault. And that's really what I'm saying. <laughs> In other words, <clears throat> and I say, you can go to another church and you'll find all the same dynamics and then you'll have to deal with the same issues because everybody, that's just how people are. And the reason it affects you emotionally and has caught you bound up so that you can't develop healthy relationships or grow to your potential is not because people are like people, because people are like people everywhere, but because it's how you're responding to how people act. And the issue they have, it's, it's controlling your life and you need to be set free from that so that maybe you can be a positive influence in other people's lives. And it's a difficult thing to kind of get a hold of, but it really can set you free. Um, so control's objective is to avoid fear uh, and, ex- and the exposure of shame. Also, there is a, you need to understand that there's a significant difference between the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control, which is the activity of God's Spirit uh, making us more holy, and this type of control. Self-control is the Holy Spirit's a fruit that keeps yourself in control under the influence of the Holy Spirit and godliness. This control is yourself is in control or yourself is trying to be in control rather than yourself being under control. This type of ungodly control is 
your ungodly, your uh, uh, carnal nature, your fear and your shame is controlling your life rather than the Holy Spirit controlling yourself. Does that make sense? Huge difference between self-control and control and self being under the control of the Holy Spirit. All right. So we see the, the diagram of how the shame, fear, and control. Now go show the next one about the masked identities. Let me pull it out so I can see it. This, uh, yeah, that one right there. All stretched. So what happens is your true identity, who you are and who God uh, created to be, uh, innocent and virtuous, someone living to the fullest uh, capacity of their gifts and calling, walking in confidence and faith and in freedom, in relationship. That's your true identity that has been redeemed completely by Jesus Christ once you come into relationship. But fear, control, and shame block that identity. Uh, it, you hide, your true identity is hidden, in a sense, within this stronghold of fear, control, and shame. And there's little cracks that every now and then you let a little bit of yourself out and then when someone responds to something that you say or did that's really genuinely you and they respond in a way that you interpret as being rejecting or judging, then that just reinforces the fear, reinforces the shame, and, and you re-exert control. And so the whole issue is that you're hidden behind these fear issues, control issues, and shame issues, and you're not able to be who you're called to be. Your identity, it becomes your identity, you're hidden. And people don't know who you really are. I've heard this so many times, and I've even experienced it personally, where it seems as though no one knows who I really am. And the problem is not their insensitivity. Even though people are insensitive. The problem is that I'm hidden behind fear, shame, and control. People don't know. If you ever find yourself saying, people don't know who I really am, I'm telling you. It's because there's shame, there's fear, and control dominating your identity. And it's not because the other people in your life are so insensitive. It's really when you can learn to remove these barriers, people can really see who you are. It can even get to the point where you don't know who you are. And there's been times in my life where I've said, I don't, I don't know if I even know who I am. And that's because I've blocked myself out because of shame. I don't want to face shame issues, and so you hide behind fear and control, and you're, you lose touch with yourself. And going through a process of self-discovery and getting healed of really the shame issue, which is the root that brings fear and control into a person's life, is the way to get free from this. And the best way is really to ask yourself is, is to evaluate your responses. And so if someone does something and you react in a particular way, ask yourself, why did I react in that way? Why did, I res- why did I emotionally respond when so-and-so said some- this particular... Where was that coming? Was that coming from a shame? Was that coming from fear? Was that coming from control? Or was that coming from faith and freedom and love? When, 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 now, it's easy if you react violently you know, and you know it's a reaction. But a reaction is just as, as much a reaction when someone says something and you shut down. 
Why didn't I tell them what I really thought? Why did I let so-and-so say that and then just walk away and stew about it for the next six years? (laughs) Or six hours? It's because of a shame issue. You weren't able to... Or when you tried to express yourself, why did you end up shouting? Why were you not able to express yourself in a way that was not defensive? Because there's a control issue. And when, when you're healthy and, get, and you get this stuff sorted out, it does not matter what issue the other person has, their issues will not overtake you. Because you're at peace. You know your identity. You have confidence in your relationship with God. If you get angry when so-and-so does something, ask, why do you do that? And we need to stop analyzing other people's actions and start analyzing our own. In a godly way and surrendering it to the Holy Spirit and saying, Lord, I'd really like to know why I felt so bad when this happened. What was it in me? Rather than every time this person said something, they always did this. And it just makes me feel so upset. And this person is so rude. And this person is so, this person is so insensitive. And all, all the whole time you're saying that, you're reinforcing your shame, fear, and control. You're, build, you're strengthening it up. You're putting those blocks in those shame, fear, control, control. I'm gonna t- that person always that way every time I get rid of them. They're that way, so I'm just going to stay away from that person. If they come around, I'm not going to say anything. And bum, 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 bum. You're building up those walls. And then you find yourself all walled in. And, and then, then the lonely time comes and you say, nobody understands me. It's because you're hiding behind these big walls. So it's, that's where it comes in and becomes destructive and leads to some, some uh, lifestyle patterns that we're going to get to uh, the next. Let's show the next slide, the progress toward freedom. And the, the real uh, goal here, I guess it, here it is, is to gradually eliminate or reduce the shame, fear, control responses. And it is something that takes time. I'd say I've been working on this with understanding for close to 15 years. I mean, where I've heard this teaching and I've been implementing it into my life in a, in a, in a regular basis and understanding of oh, this comes stemming from fear. This is a control issue. These are shame issues. And gradually over time, uh, you get free so that you can encounter people and you can let your real identity out so that when people interact with you, they're interacting with you and not some part of you that's uh, built on fear, shame, and control. That's the goal. Now, we've, we can walk in that instantly through faith. It's not as though we have to pay the penalty for our our sin. Jesus has accomplished that. He died to set us free from the bondage. But the process of identifying responses takes time because they're so ingrained. You do it automatically and often you don't even realize you're doing something that's based out of shame until the Holy Spirit reveals it. And He reveals it gradually so that you don't get overwhelmed. <laughs> you know, if you if you found out five minutes after you got saved, all your problems, you'd just give up. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit, you know, just gradually over the time says, you know, this is really a shame-based issue. And this, this pattern keeps repeating in your life. Why don't you ask yourself why? And often it's, it's a, a shame-based issue. All right.
shame, fear, control, these things lead to particular um, lifestyle patterns that, that really reveal an identity of, of shame. And so we're going to talk about some of the lifestyle patterns or how to know if you are shame-based. So if you have any of these patterns in your life, um, now you can't nudge the person sitting next to you. <laughs> All right, that's not. You can, you can do that later, but <laughs> um, here we're going to go through them. But the number one, and really the general idea, a socially acceptable way for people to deal with shame in our culture is to wear masks. The number one way to socially uh, deal uh, to deal with uh, shame in a socially acceptable way is to wear masks. And so we are trained by society, by our culture, uh, by our media, to put on a front, to wear a mask in different situations. And so in different environments, you act differently. You act differently at church than you do when you're at work or when you're at school or when you're around a certain group of friends. You, you, you know what behavior to hide around this group of people and you know what behaviors to, to act like around this group of people. So you're keeping your true identity hidden behind masks and you change masks depending where you are. And that's destructive. That's that that it's fear, control, shame masks really is what it is. Instead of having a confidence in your true identity and being able to walk that out wherever you are. And I really try to live uh, who I am all the time. And I've actually determined a sinful behavior in my life or behavior that is flowing out of this shame-based stuff simply by doing something feeling guilt and praying for forgiveness, but realizing, you know, it's not just about sin. Why do I do this behavior? And I found myself saying, I don't even like this. this This is not me. This is not who I really am. And I realize it's, it's a false identity. I'm like, I, most sin you don't like. There's a temporary pleasure, but you don't really like the consequences and how it destroys your life or you live in regret. And, and realizing, wait a minute, that's not who I really am. But the enemy is involved here in saying, this is who you really are. This is, who, this is what you're like. You're a loser. You're a sinner. You're dirty. And so the enemy is reinforcing that shame that's underneath. And just stopping and saying, wait a minute, this is not me, can set you free. And you go, well, who, who am I? And allow God to lead you in a process of self-discovery and who He created you to be and how you can walk that out. But when you live in, in this uh, false identity... Um, uh, what, what's really happening is, is that your carnal nature, which is dead in Christ, is exerting itself. And then the enemy is coming and lying. Remember, Jesus died to set us free from that bondage, always living in fear of death. It's, it's demonic in nature. Alright? And, and we need to understand that when we hear or think the thought, that any sinful or destructive or shame-based behavior or thought, if you hear 
that's just who you are, you can know for a certainty that that is a lie. Because who you are is a redeemed saint of God, purchased by the blood of Christ, destined to be holy and to spend eternity with Him in heaven. You're a conqueror. You're a victor. You're won by Him. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ. Alright, I'm going to quickly go through a number of common masks. One is an angry person. Have you ever known an angry person? You say a certain thing and they get angry. Uh, angry people get angry often, not always, but often to, re- to, to avoid responsibility. Anger is a very effective, extremely effective uh, method or technique to um, push people away, to create a barrier. And behind that barrier, you can hide shame. Stuff you're really ashamed of or afraid to expose. Anger pushes people away and creates a barrier that people don't get close to you because you'll get angry. It's a very easy way to do that. It's usually manifested toward others, but it can also be generalized and that you're just angry about everything or you're angry about yourself. It really doesn't matter who you're angry with. Anger is a defense mechanism to hide shame. Um... And the people who struggle with this, often they're angry. No matter what you say, <clears throat> they, they can't admit that they're just wrong. They'll just argue and argue and argue. And, 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 and it becomes illogical. And then, it's, then they're not defending something that's true. They're just defending their own shame or hiding behind it. Condem- condemnation, guilt, and depression. That's a shame-based response. Anger is a control-based response. If you're constantly dealing with depression and um, uh, condemnation or guilt, if it's a chronic thing, uh, if it's, it's depression not based on an event, you know, some people are depressed because something really bad has happened. And it's like, well, feeling depressed is really the sane response. It's okay to, you know, it's part of the grieving process. But if you're stuck in decades of depression... It's, it's actually a mechanism to hide behind. Does that make sense? Alright? Everybody's happy today. Um, <clears throat> they don't believe, they're not depressed because of an event, they're depressed because they believe that they're hopelessly flawed. Well, it's not true that you're hopelessly flawed. And so if your depression is based in that, it's a shame response. Passivity. That's a fear response. Uh, they just doesn't, they just decide you're not going to deal with it. In fact, you're not going to deal with anything. You just give up. You just become passive. You don't get angry because you don't, you don't want to expend the energy. It's just another response that creates a, a barrier. You avoid confrontation at all times for two reasons. One, you don't want to deal with other people's issues, but you don't want to deal with your issues. If you get, uh, con- confrontation will expose who you really are. And you don't want to go there. And so you just, you're just the nice guy. You don't want to upset anything, anybody. You're always the nice guy. And it's okay being nice, but if it's a defense mechanism so that nobody gets in to find out who you really are, then it's def- destructive. You'll not, it's avoiding intimacy, and you have no healthy boundaries. The apologetic lifestyle, which is both uh, rooted in fear and control. I was in a restaurant just the other day, and I heard the waitress say, I'm sorry, at least 30 times in less than an hour that I was there. Someone bumped into her, and she said she was sorry. I'm like, for what? Occupying space? <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> that someone runs into you, they say they're sorry, and you forgive them. Am I making sense here? People are constantly, I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry for that, I'm sorry for that, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Why do I always feel like I, I you know, I'm troubling, I'm, I'm, I'm being troublesome? It's because you have a shame-based issue. Uh, unable to receive. You're apologetic. You feel that you have to pay back. If somebody gives you something or does something for you, you constantly have to find a way to make it even. That's a shame-based response. Because you don't deserve something good. You don't deserve a gift. You have to find a way to make it even. Well, that's shame. You can't just receive. Striving and driving. Perfectionism. That's the opposite of passivity. Or hyper-control. Right? You're in control. You have to make sure everything's perfect so nobody finds out how broken you are on the inside. Uh, you're compelled to always look good, always come across in the best way because if, if someone sees any weakness, then they'll, my shame will be exposed. And that's just a really, that's just a horrible way to live life. You can never be relaxed. Another and the final uh, way that uh, masks that a lot of people wear is religiosity. This happens a lot in spirit-filled churches because we can have a facade of spirituality. Everything becomes spiritual. And you convince yourself and others that really you're so hyper-spiritual that you, don't, you never deal with heart issues. You never are honest or open about what's really going on in your life because you spiritualize everything. And that's just another mechanism by which you can hide your true identity. Alright, overcoming the shame and fear control cycle is a process of first understanding this cycle, which I've taken last week and this, this week to explain, and then recognizing where they, that, uh, the shame-based responses come from, which are ungodly beliefs about yourself, broke, uh, false identity, and broken behavior. And then on Saturday what we're going to do is uh, differentiate those behaviors and pray through them. And so there's a process of praying through and breaking agreement that occurs in the Spirit. And it really helps to get with someone to pray through. And we're going to do it as a group and some individual activity uh, as well and some follow-up appointments if needed. But it's claiming the freedom that Jesus won for you on the cross and applying it in your life is what this is all about. Last Sunday and this Sunday, I really just exposed the issue. This coming Saturday is when we'll pray through those issues. Uh, just one last thing. I do have, um, if you want more teaching on this, and if you're not able to make it to the Saturday workshop, on the website there is a, a new little link to a page called Pastor Cameron's Recommendations. And I have uh, uh, several teachings and handouts that you can download. It's all free. You can, you can get the information. Adam's going to come up, close in prayer, and you can pray for that issue as well. Okay?